0: Thank you for listening to the Faith Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. Today's sermon for the ninth Sunday after Trinity, August 14th, 2022, is preached by Pastor Jason Goodham. If you have questions or comments regarding today's message, please call the church office at 612-824-5527 or visit our website at faithlutheran-aflc.org. can be found on page 1619 in your pew Bible if you'd like to follow along reading in Jesus' name, Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 56. I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, one house, in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, A shower is coming, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, There will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky, But why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Heavenly Father, these are your words, and your word is truth. We pray that this morning you would sanctify us in the truth, that you would convict us of sin in our lives where that is necessary, and that you would comfort and encourage us with the promises of your gospel. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Imagine with me, if you will, for just a moment an image that I'm not sure will be too terribly difficult for any of you to conjure up in your minds. There's a man with raggedy clothes and an unkempt beard, and wild eyes and a fiery voice, and he's wearing a sandwich board with a message that he proclaims loudly. The end is near. We've all seen this man portrayed in film and on TV before although you don't see much of it anymore, at least recently, maybe all those guys have moved online. Twitter seems to be a breeding ground for alarmists like that. But for our purposes this morning, Jesus is filling that role. Not because of his physical appearance, but because he's predicting the start of the end times. Well, More than the start of the end times, what Jesus is doing in our gospel lesson this morning is that he's promising to usher in the beginning of the end. Now this is most unexpected considering the way most of us have been conditioned to think. Many, especially here in America, have been taught that for the end times to begin, we need to wait for the rapture. Or the reinstatement of Israel as a nation, or some other global catastrophe or conflict or something. We've been conditioned to turn our eyes away from Scripture and to the news. First, it was the newspapers, and now it's social media. But Jesus tells us this ought not to be. It's not even necessary Because the end times start with Jesus and his ministry. The next surprise is how Jesus characterizes that ministry. He opens the gospel lesson by saying, I came to cast fire to the earth. And would that it was already kindled. Jesus here literally preaches a fire and brimstone message. So what's going on here? For those of us who have been conditioned to think about the end times in a certain way, with certain terms, Jesus' words here are a mystery. They're incredibly difficult to comprehend. And for those of us who are Lutherans, who have been taught to think about Jesus' ministry as a matter of fulfilling the gospel, it's an even greater mystery for us to think about Jesus' ministry in terms of fire and brimstone. But for our purposes this morning... Jesus wants to remind us that everything he does, and especially everything concerning the end times, is a matter of judgment. So turning our eyes back to Luke 12 this morning, first we examine the judgment of fire. Sin has always come with a price tag. It's always come with a punishment. We see this right away in the Genesis chapter 2 when God promises the punishment of death to Adam and Eve if they eat from the knowledge of the tree of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and that's exactly what happens Adam and Eve eat and they die and this punishment is exactly the reason God sends his son to the world in the first place Jesus pays a price none of us could pay To redeem us from an eternity, none of us could escape. And that's tremendously good news for us. So why, again, does Jesus preach this fire and brimstone warning? Because no matter what, in God's economy, sin is always judged. That's a reality we lose sight of on this side of the cross and on this side of the empty tomb. Because Jesus completed that for us. And in our place, we often forget that our sin is still judged. But it's judged as if it was Jesus' sin. And so this morning, Jesus redirects our focus to the reality of judgment. And in using the imagery of fire, he still leaves room for the gospel. You see, fire is, either refines or it ravages. It either cleanses or it consumes. And the fiery judgment of the end times starts with Jesus. And it also starts with our faith. As we experience the trials and tribulations of life, our faith will either be refined or it will crumble like the rest of the world around us. Jesus' death and resurrection have been given to us as a seal of how God thinks about us right now. We are not permitted to put God's opinion of us on a sliding scale based on our performance. We are instead, at all times, no matter what happens in our life or in the world around us, to cling to the cross and the empty tomb. The breakdown of the created world Whether it be our bodies, or our relationships, or the world around us, this breakdown is always a part of sin. All of creation. Every inch of creation is tainted by sin. But this breakdown is also fulfilled in the final judgment. When the world will be remade and reordered the way God intended it to be, by fire, And Jesus' death on the cross begins that reordering, begins that recreation, begins that judgment on sin, which means that every trial in our life is designed as an opportunity to have our faith refined, to have our faith purified as God prepares to complete final judgment on the corruption of sin. Jesus' fire and brimstone message is a call and an invitation by Jesus himself to trust God that he knows what he's doing. And Jesus immediately moves from the judgment of fire to the judgment of baptism. It seems like a sudden and perplexing transition, actually. Jesus says, I have a baptism to be baptized with, And how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Now, this transition can seem perplexing because, one, Jesus has already been baptized by John in the Jordan River, and two, we all have been taught that baptism is an expression of pure gospel. Baptism is good news. But again, we need to think about this. Baptism is pure gospel. Baptism is good news precisely because in baptism, God tells us about his victory over sin. In baptism, God executes judgment by water and word on our sinful natures. We witnessed this last week. Our old sinful natures are drowned And we rise by the faith God gives us in His Word as new creations. Our baptisms always point back to the completed work of Christ on the cross and with the empty tomb. This is the baptism Jesus is talking about in Luke 12. In His baptism, when Jesus dies, sin is judged, it is brutal. And humane, and inhumane, and painful, and disgusting. And this judgment is entirely necessary if you and I are going to be saved. As Jesus dies on the cross, the consequences and effects of sin die with him. Death is overcome, and Satan is defeated. And as Jesus rises again, he rises to give us life eternal life and our baptisms seal this reality for us as we wait for eternity but just as Jesus death and resurrection and just as our baptisms are one-time events that doesn't mean this judgment stops that it ends we still sin and we still struggle with sin And so the daily activity of a Christian as we live in the reality of baptism is repentance. And each day as we repent of our sins, we reenact our baptism. We put our old sinful nature to death. We die daily. And then each day we rise by faith as new creatures, children of God by his promise in his word. In our lives, sin continues to be judged and overcome because Christ succeeded and completed the baptism of the cross. And finally, we come to the last type of judgment Jesus describes. God's judgment against sin isn't always so dramatic or cinematic as a purifying fire. Sometimes it's more subtle but still painful. Jesus' third way of defining judgment in this passage is to talk about the judgment of division. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, in one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. This is the judgment that stings the most right now as we wait for eternity. God's judgment against sin always separates. In the end, it separates the sheep from the goats. But sometimes, right now, it separates those who have faith in the gospel from those who have rejected the gospel. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Why is this such a painful Division, because often when people reject the gospel, they also reject those who believe the gospel. They call us, as does Jesus at the end of the gospel lesson, hypocrites. And we have to realize that when the world calls us hypocrites, we often are, if we in our Christian faith expect others to change their sinful ways without expecting it from ourselves. If Christianity devolves into merely a moral system, Christians will always be hypocrites because we are always still sinners. But more than that, people reject the gospel because the reality of God's judgment against sin means that we have to acknowledge that we're sinners. That we're wrong. And people aren't good at, doing, at admitting that they're wrong. We're not good at it at all. Let's watch a two-year-old have to apologize for wronging someone. I think, honestly, all of this boils down to the reality that our sinful understanding of righteousness involves us being right. And if you're no longer right about something, it means, at least in our minds, that you're no longer righteous. So, if God calls something sinful, <clears throat> excuse me, and Christians join in that. People who are doing the sinful thing react against it. And they reject the gospel. And they reject Jesus. And they especially reject Christians. And this rejection can be painful because it involves loved ones, family members, and friends. But the judgment is necessary. God is perfect, He cannot and does not tolerate sin. Bible tells us he hates sin. So how do we respond to God's judgment this morning? How do we cope with the pain and trials of our faith and the division that separates us from those who reject the gospel? We take Jesus' advice at the end of the gospel lesson, and we recognize the times. When Jesus preaches the end times, it's not a panic-inducing, the end is near sort of preaching. But rather, Jesus announces the coming of the end times as an invitation to us to cling to the reality of the gospel and then turn and proclaim that reality to all who God brings in our path. Jesus, with his death and with his resurrection, has ushered in the end times. There is nothing right now that is stopping Jesus from returning and executing final judgment except for his grace and his mercy to let the gospel be proclaimed. Sin has already been judged, Satan has been condemned, and he stands defeated. But Jesus, with his de- death and resurrection, has given us a lifeline. Jesus has made our sin his own. Jesus has overcome the punishment of death in our place. Jesus has conquered. And so now we live day by day, by faith, and for all eternity. And that eternity is what sustains our lives. And that eternity should be the content of our message to the world around us. The end is near, yes. But rejoice. The end is something Jesus has bought and paid for. For every single one of us. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.